0: This is an SM Media Production. Things are gonna get better real soon. Yeah, I'ma just do me, you just do you. I swear it's gonna get better real soon.
1: Don't let anyone tell you what you should do. I got a clear view. We're gonna make it soon. Just keep pushing through.
0: Hi everyone and welcome to the latest episode of The Sit Down right here on SM Media. I'm Scott McPight, delighted to be your host. We've a very special guest this week, delighted to be joined by the, one of the nine in a row winning heroes, former Aberdeen Rangers and Leeds man, David Robertson.
1: It's an absolute pleasure to be on, David. Thanks very much for joining me. Yeah, no problem. It's it's a, obviously it's a looking forward to it. Um, hopefully the internet, I'm in India just now, so hopefully the internet holds up. Something that can be a bit patchy, so um, I'm sure what will last, hopefully it'll be okay. Proud. How are you? Are you doing well? Yeah, everything's fine, yeah. We've got our first game on Sunday, so um, it's been a long time in starting. It's a, it's a bit of a hybrid season. You play each other once and then you break off like the, the SPL. Um, so, But no, it's, it's just good to get back in again. Just obviously, just good to be being in India as well is not the easiest place with the, the COVID thing going on. I mean, it's not easy anywhere, but particularly yeah. here. So, But the, the league's been pretty good. We've been in quarantine and um, we're now in bubbles now, so it's um, um, every precaution's been taken and so far touch wood everybody's nice and safe yeah are you still behind closed doors there's a- no <clears> fans <throat> in, yeah. no no fans at all no. although in India you know, imagine somebody will sneak in um, <laughs> we actually played a tournament we played a pre-season tournament and nobody's allowed in but somehow people managed to get in So, um, but I think the league itself will be a bit more strict um, they can't take any chances now yeah definitely just a wee thing before we touch on
0: your career just obviously this season's been you know kind of Celtic are going for 10-0, Rangers have started really, really well. What's been your overall thoughts of the, the Scottish season so far?
1: Um, well, I think from the, the Rangers' point of view, I think, um, you know, Stephen Gerrard's done a fantastic um, you know, job with the team. You know, it's, it hasn't been there that long. And now, I mean, you can see oh, there are so many points ahead. Um, I watched the old firm game there, and um, I don't think any Rangers fan could imagine, you know, them being in this position now. You know, I think a lot of people thought it was a foregone conclusion itself that Celtic would get 10. Um, but it makes it a little bit more interesting, you know. I mean, Celtic have had a, a fantastic run with quadruple trebles and treble trebles and all sorts of stuff. So uh, I think it's nice that they've got a, a bit of a challenge now. And um, But hopefully some other teams can come up as well. You know, as look at the Hamilton as well. I mean, you know, since they've changed the manager, I think he's won six in the bounce. So it's, you know, there's a lot of ups and downs there. But I think for that Rangers point of view, it, it does make the... No, they see. I mean, it keeps my um, nine in a row thing alive as well. So <laughs> as soon as a team got to ten in a row, it's over. So <laughs>
0: Brilliant. we'll make we we'll a wee start. Just obviously talk about when you start, like growing up. What was your?
1: Where did you grow up? And what was your kind of boys' club days like when you you started playing? Well, I played. Uh, I grew up in Aberdeen, um, obviously, and um, I wasn't interested in football till I was about eight years old. It was actually when Aberdeen won the league cup in nineteen seventy six. They beat Celtic two one. David yeah. Robb scored the winner an extra time. Um, my dad was a, a big Aberdeen fan. He'd go to all the games and, you know, particularly the season ticket at Cotodry. Um But I, I wasn't particularly interested in football. He would take my, me and my sister down to the Duthie Park in, um, in Aberdeen every Sunday and he'd kick the ball about. My sister would kick the ball about. I just wasn't interested until Aberdeen won the cup. And they took me down Union Street, saw so the open top bus and bought me the flags and the kit and all sorts of stuff. And I was hooked on football after that and, um, Although my, my career didn't go off to the, the greatest start, you know, I was like I was a bit behind most of the, the boys that were playing. Um, I tried out for the, the primary school team and I didn't make it. I didn't get in it. Um so I think the first game or the second game, I think someone must have been ill, so I got called in. Um, and I and I came on as a sub and I quickly got subbed off again. I was, I think it must have been that bad. Um, my mom, um, my mom and my auntie took me that him My dad was working, so I think was a little bit embarrassed. So, um, but after that, I just kept practicing, practicing. You know, became probably the best team, best player in the, the school team. And then I played for uh, there was a thing called Champion Street in Aberdeen. So it's uh I don't think I, think, I don't think it's it goes on anymore. But you pick a, a name of a street um, during the summer holidays, and um, you've got to live so many yards from that street, and you put in a dad will pick a team, and, and I ended up playing there for, for Garty Gola. got to the final. Uh, the final was actually at Pitodori, so we actually got, so got beat in the final, but after that, a few clubs, uh, boys' clubs, came after me, and, um, and, I, and I went to D-side Boys' Club, which is now Banks of D, Um mm-hmm. And I was there until I signed for Aberdeen. I stayed at one club the whole time, and um, you know I really, really enjoyed it. And I think because a lot of the players came from the area I grew up in. Um, and it was quite consistent. The coaches were pretty good. And, um, you know, it, just, it was just a nice place. My dad was involved in it as well. So and then, obviously, I got into all the, the primary school selects and secondary school selects. And um, eventually, I was lucky enough to sign S forms for Alec Fergs. I think I was 14 at the time. So, uh, you know, being growing up in Aberdeen, and by that time, I was, you know, watching Aberdeen play pretty regular with my dad when I could, um, because I was always playing, played for the school team, boys club, boys brigade, um, any type of football, I joined any organisation to play football, so, um, just like any boy did then, but no, I was was fortunate that um, Alec Ferguson spotted me um, in the the old Ash car park at Pataudry 1 Monday night, um, and signed S forms, and um, I got the experience of going in the summer holidays, you know, like, so, the, the the Easter holidays, and, school holiday, uh, summer holidays, I'd go in and train, and sometimes I would train with the first team, not that I was first team material then, but a lot of the younger players got a chance to train with the first team, and it was just a, a great experience. And, um, you know, and, but I think as a, as a player, as a kid anyway, growing up, I didn't, maybe it was my first experience playing football when I wasn't that good, and I was subbed on and subbed off, that uh, even when I played for Rangers and Aberdeen, and I just didn't have a lot of confidence in myself, you know, I felt that I was always lucky to be where I was, and maybe overachieving kind of thing. But, um, but as I say, it's just been—it's been a dream really. And you know, and here I am now with what a fifty-two year old, and I'm still involved in the game. Okay, um, probably the last place in there if you want to be, but I'm still involved in it. So it's been it has been good to me. Brilliant.
0: And obviously, when you went into Aberdeen, obviously you—you won the youth. <clears cup. throat> was it your second season at Aberdeen, you
1: won the youth cup. Yeah, well, I've actually won it. We beat Celtic, I think we one two or three nothing down at half time. Um it was actually Aberdeen won the the first team won the, the league. They beat it beat hearts at Timecastle, one nothing. Um so obviously it was a, it's a big thing for Aberdeen to win the league. You know, the Rangers and Celtic, you know, in those days were winning it, you know, quite a lot. But for Aberdeen to do it and they wanted to present the trophy to the the home fans. So on a Tuesday night we were playing Celtic in the Scottish Youth Cup final at Petodway and it just so happened that the Put the, the, the presentation before the game, um, right. and there was about what 15,000 at the game. So, I, I was in those days when you played in the youth team, it wasn't like it was under 18, but there was players I was 14 or 15 at the time. Um, and you know, you're, you're playing in, in this big stadium, and it's about 15,000 there. Obviously, you see the, the first team, and the first team were there, Alec Ferguson was there, um, and then you know, Willie Garner was the, the assistant manager to. Alec Ferguson at the time. And what he did was he took the team. Um, and before the game, he said, you know, the gaffers here, the the first team's here at the sea, there's a big crowd here, this is a very important game, go and enjoy it, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, we were in at halftime and um, we were two or three down. And uh, Willie Garner comes in and basically says, look, come on, guys, damage limitation, it's a big night, no more goals, just take it easy and just work hard. And, and at the same time, the, the doors flew open and Alec Ferguson comes in and... <laughs> doesn't didn't miss anyone 60 seconds whirlwind hairdryer a lot you name it everybody's called every name under the sun um and bear in mind some of us were 14 and 15 and yeah. 16. um and and it seemed to last forever but it was like 60 seconds all the way uh, in the in the dressing room all the way around every player back out and everybody just sat there thinking you know what just happened um but it just shows you we won nine we won five three in the end so mm-hmm. um won the scottish cup um so he was the first to come in and congratulate everyone and then the, the next, I think was the next season we won, I think we beat, I don't know if it was Queen of the South or something. So I actually won the, the, the Scottish Youth Cup twice. So it was a, a pretty big achievement um,
0: early on. And did you always Were you always a fullback? back or did you <clears throat> play in a different position before that?
1: No, I was a, a left-winger. Um, and, you know, Alec Ferguson used to say that I lacked guile. Um, <laughs> I was very much, I was a bit of a one-trick pony at, at left wing, you know, I'd get the ball and I'd knock it past somebody in the run and I remember like Ferguson said a few times, he says, you know, sometimes you've got to come across someone that's faster than you um, and he ended up he was right enough as soon as I, I got to what, I think it was about what, 15 or something, I was playing the reserves quite regular then and we were playing against adults and I just didn't have enough about my game and, and I really did doubt myself, I doubted myself before but even more so then and then we actually went to, uh, you know, I was, I was almost like a left winger sort of, on his way out more than anything. And then we went on a preseason tour. Teddy Scott took us up to the Highlands somewhere. It might have been Keith or her office or somewhere. Um and this was with the reserves, you know. There was guys like I think Brian Gunn might have played, and Tommy McIntyre, um, Stevie Gray, and players like that. So I was Willie like when I was still young, and so <clears throat> the we played on a Saturday and there were so many injuries, only 11 fit players on the Sunday. And they couldn't work out who could play left back. And I got told to play left back because I was the only guy with a left foot. (laughs) So um, I played there and I got man of the match and I was a left back ever since. So, you know, people say that, you know, in football, it's, you know, you deserve to be where you are. I've had a a lot of luck and um, a lot of things go in my favour. And because I think I was a a bit of a a limited player. Um, But I think, you know, that really sort of changed me because I did feel that. I was going absolutely nowhere as a, as a left winger, even though I signed S.O.R.M.s at Aberdeen as a left winger and became a left back, and, and it just stuck then. Mm-hmm.
0: And obviously, you, you do really well at youth level and <coughs> move up to the first team, and you make your debut against Hamilton in the league at 17. What were the kind of pros like, the kind of first team players? What were they like with you, and who were the kind of good
1: characters in that team? <coughs> no, no, they were brilliant. I mean, you've got to remember I was 17, and I was, you know, a year or so before, I was collecting Panini. Stickers <laughs> of Willie Millerval and McLeish, you know, and Peter Weir, and then suddenly you're playing in this you play same team, same dressing room. Um, and, and they were fantastic. You know, Willie was the, the grumpy one that would slaughter me all the time. And um, Alec, big Alec McLeish, was the, the comforting one. He'd sort of arm, arm around you, you know, give you a bit of advice. Who, you know, he's up there with some of the great players that I've played with. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he helped me so much. And he was coming to the end of his career and he was, he was a fantastic player. Um, he'd always encourage me, um, but the, the one that we made to to make me feel welcome, I remember um, after my first game in the first team, because I was still on the ground staff at the time, I was laying out players' kits, first team kits and, and everything, I remember I played against Hearts, uh, sorry, the, the game against Hamilton, and um, on the Monday morning I come in, I go back into the away dressing room, the reserves, and Teddy Scott says, don't I know you're in the, the home dressing room now, son, and I'm going, no, I don't want to go in there, I want to <laughs> my mates, I don't want to go in there. And then you, you you go in there and um, you, know, you, you know as well as Malara as Alan McLeish and Layton and Billy Stark and John McMaster all these big names that basically you know the, the the Gothenburg legends yeah um, and I'm sitting there with them and you know I've probably still got posters of of them on the wall you know when I go home at night mm-hmm. um, and and I just felt so uncomfortable but they were great certainly you. well Alan McLeish even to this day has always got time for everyone so as I say I was very very fortunate. I have obviously the, the, the personalities and the, the way they were with me but obviously you know playing with such great players at such an early age
0: Brilliant and obviously Sir Alex <clears throat> was a manager just how which like, kind of favourite memories have are, are been being, being there with him I've um, <clears throat> got quite a few
1: really um, some of them are not good right enough. You know. <laughs> um, but he was just he was I think if you always he was such a perfectionist if you made a mistake and you, the team won 5 nothing, he would still have a go at you and tell you um, you know, one game I conceded a penalty kick in the last minute. Um, I think it was oh, Doogie Harnett or someone at Motherwell. so Pataudry were two, two one up, and I gave away a penalty kick in the last minute. Um, and he oh, he roasted me. But to be fair, on the Monday morning, he explained everything to me. And I, I think I gave away one penalty kick after that in the rest of my career because it sticks with you. Um, but no, there's there's many 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 things. He used to have this game in the in the gym. Um, Would you call it with? Um, in the gym it was called Tips him and Archie used to play it on a Friday afternoon the ground staff they, they would always um, they would always you'd also have to referee the game so whoever lost they were going to give you a punishment running or doing something so this time there was two or three of us and um, Archie won so that was it Fergie gave us that, a punishment and he says right that's it you're going to clean my car <laughs> so two or three of us had to go, and it was it was winter time. It's, it's about three in the afternoon. You want to get home, but it's getting dark, and, and and Fergie dove all over Scotland to watch games. Yeah. Um. And there was about a million flies in front of this car, and um, to try and take them off, and I remember we're going get a bucket of water. Three of us, and we're we're going oh, What we're we going to do? What we're we going to do? And we're thinking, right, he's not going to notice because it's going to get dark by the time he wakes up in the morning. So we just threw a bucket of water over it. And then we went back in, into the stadium, put the bucket back in the, in the, the wee bit. And then we're walking towards the back door um, and we're just at the door, it's so a way open. And then you hear Fergie, oi, where do you think you're going, where do you think you're going? And um, it was like a, a moment, what do we do, what do we do? So we ran for it, we ran. And um, so one of the players, Robert, he had his dad's car. And we all piled in the back of his car and we're sort of looking out the window, looking out the window. <laughs> And then we see Fergie coming out, you know, steam coming out of his ears and everything because we'd disappeared. Um, and it died to take two buses to get home, or a, a bus to get home after Robert dropped us in the town. Scott was from Peterhead, so it took him longer. But by the time Robert got home, he was told by his uh, mum that Fergie had called it to go back in and clean the car. Um, but there's, I mean, a lot of things he would tell you in the, in the days going past with Charlie Nicholas, you know, that the perm at the back, the hair. Everybody had them, and I had one as well. And you tell you to get your hair cut, and it's down a bit here, and you get this cut off, and then you tell you, "Right, that's it." I told you to get your hair cut. But I did get it cut. No, no, no. So he send you back up to get it all taken off. And um, but you know, he's he was he was good for me. You know, it, it's yeah. I think I think the one thing I found out about him is that I couldn't understand why you did the jobs in the ground staff, like you know, brush carpet instead of hoovering it, and um, you know, just the jobs you have to do. and It's to make you mentally tough. Yeah, um, and I think as well that he's just a born winner. You know, the times that he's it's no surprise what he did at Manchester United when he used to talk about Fergie time at the end. You know, it's just the will and the belief that he instills into all the players that you'll keep going to the last whistle and you, you'll never give up. You know, and I think it started with that youth cup game against Celtic where you know, you're two or three nothing down at half time. He comes in and he was ballistic, and then you um, win 5 3. And if he hadn't came in, we would I won that and mm-hmm. it just shows you that you can do it and just uh, I think it, it instilled me being a winner and I've still got that to fight in my belly now Brilliant When did you first hear that he was going to Man United? <clears throat> um, it, it was weird because I was actually um, I was driving but I was using my dad's car so my dad was at the club um, the, the golf club so I'd drop him off and pick him up at night and have a few drinks and it was on the radio going in um, and I just heard that he's going um that he'd left to go to Manchester United and see the next morning going into Pertaudet. It was like, it was as if it was a funeral. It was, the place was dead. Um, I don't think anyone could believe it. I mean, it's fantastic that he did yeah. uh, go there, but no one could believe it. And it was just a real, you know, it's probably the low, no, it wasn't low, but it was just an eerie feeling. It was almost like people were saying, well, what's next? Because, you know, the likes of Alan McLeish and Willie Miller, you know, they weren't getting any younger. Um So, and obviously... Late and ended up moving away, so there's a lot of um, uncertainty at Aberdeen at the time because he'd always it was almost like he'd always been there.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Ian Porterfield gets a job. What was your what
1: was your relationship like with him when he came in? <clears throat> no, I think he I, I I quite liked him, but I think he didn't quite understand you know what Aberdeen's like. You know, yeah. as, obviously as a club that you know Aberdeen with Fergie, you know they were winning leagues and the winning Scottish Cup and Cup Winners' Cup and winning everything and I think he came in a little bit like the the mentality of being in England you know the leagues are like 20 teams and you know if you draw a game it's a good result you know and we'd draw against St Mirren at home or, or, or something like that and he'd be quite happy with that whereas that wasn't the standards that yeah. Aberdeen had at the time even though the team you know players were moving on and they weren't as successful as they are but there was still expectations with the supporters and, and but I think I don't think it, it mattered who came in after that. It's a bit like, you know, even now at, at Manchester United, they're still finding it hard time yeah. to get over Fergie. So I think that's a, that's a hard part. But I you know I always got on well with him. The one thing that I remember about him was um, I think it was the first League Cup final um, when we lost in penalty kicks. I played in the semi final, but I couldn't play in the final because I broke my foot. Yeah. Um, um, so I, I was obviously pretty down. We lost anyway, but Ian Porterfield gave me his medal. Um, oh really? You know, it's about compensation. So you know, it's fantastic that he did it, and you know, obviously Ian's passed on, uh, passed away now. So it's obviously you know it, it's sad, and but I always got on okay with him, and he was a fun guy, and you know, things were always fun around him. Brilliant. Charlie Nicholas comes in as well, as a,
0: as a Yeah. What was your favourite
1: stories with him? Well, Charlie was, um, you know, in Aberdeen. There's no film stars. He's as close to a film <laughs> star as there is. Um, and I, I remember you go in nightclubs and, you know, everybody's flocking around Charlie as if it's a, a Hollywood superstar that's came in. Um, but no, he was just, you know, a, a lot of people say he's, uh, you know, a lot of people have got things to say about him, but I always liked him. You know, he's always he always encouraged me and um, I was always a quiet kind of guy. But, you know, he was just, he's one of those guys that you always look up to. You sort of idolise him a little bit. And, and I think, to be honest with you, I don't think anybody in Aberdeen could believe that, you know, Superstar from Arsenal, signed for Aberdeen, and that was Ian Porterfield that that did that. And but no, it's, I mean, there's not a lot of stories about him, but he's just a he a great guy. I just remember in Aberdeen that you know whatever pub at Charlie was in, the whole Aberdeen was in that pub.
0: Brilliant. I mean, obviously the season after that, <clears throat> Ian Porterfield resigns, and Alex Math and Jockey Scott come in to to take over. How tough were they with you, and do you feel they kind of a, a good a good kind of benefit towards your career?
1: No, the, I mean, I'd known Alec um, in the youth teams in Scotland. He helped with it. I think he took under-18s and under-16s. Um, so I knew Alec from before that, and he was very good at promoting youth, obviously brought Ian Jess into the team, and Stephen Wright, Scott Booth. Um, he wasn't scared to put the, the young players in, and he was very, very good with the young players. And then you had Jockey that was the... You know, when you think about it, Jockey actually played in the same team as Willie Miller, um, and Jockey was a, a great player in his day. He um, He was good with the older players. You know, he would... He'd be the sort uh, the grumpy one, the bad one. and would also have a go at players, and he and he wouldn't be slow in standing up to a Charlie Nicholas or a Jim Bett or a Willie Miller. You know, he's and um, he wasn't scared that way. So it, they both worked well together, even though they were co-manager. I think Alex Smith was the manager, mm-hmm. um, more than anything. But there was a, it was funny when we went to went to Holland one time for pre-season, and I'll never forget they fell out with each other. So at dinner at dinner time, they they were sitting at a different table to each other and. Like the physio, Davy Wiley didn't know what table to sit at. And if you wanted to ask a question to Jockey, he would say, Ask it, ask a gaffer. Or you could take, ask Alex Smith, ask Jockey. You know, so it only didn't last for long, but it was just a it, was a, it was a weird thing. But, um, you know, I, I, I do feel that, you know, that the, 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 the some managers after uh, um, Alec Ferguson, like Porterfield, even though he, he got to a cup final and he won, I think he, oh, he, he got to two cup finals, I think it was. I'm not sure yeah. what it was. Um, and, he, and he always finished in the, the top two or three as well. Um she was unfortunate and then you know Alex Smith came in, did well, got sacked, and Willie Miller probably did better than a lot of them, just the fact that the Rangers team I was in was so good. Um and, and he got he got let go as well. So I think it's always hard at, at Aberdeen, but you know, Alex Smith was good. Um he took a big gamble putting in Ian Jess in the in the League Cup final. Um, and he was I think it was his first or second game, and no one knew until an hour and a half before the game that he was starting. And and he went in, and, and I do feel that he was at the deciding factor that we, we won that because I don't think the Rangers expected him to play. Mm-hmm.
0: How good was that to finally get that <clears throat> cup? What the cup final win against Rangers? You played that was the third season in a row, you played against them in the cup mm-hmm. final. How good was that to get the win? You've 2 1. Just what were your memories of that game?
1: Yeah, no, it was it's it the first major trophy I, I won, and I think it was extra special because. Um, one, you go down the Union Street and open top bus, which you can't do in many cities. And, and I remember doing, going to watch Aberdeen as a kid, and here's me, you know, on the top of the bus. And it was, it was a great feeling, you know, and going down Union Street where I, where I grew up, and, um, you know, you see a lot of people that you know, familiar faces waving. And so that, that made you feel good. But I think as well that the year before, I, when I played in the cup, final, we lost, I think it was 3-2 we lost. Um, I think Ian Ferguson might have scored the winner. Um, and I had an absolute nightmare of that game. Um, I don't know what it was. It just probably one of the worst games of my life. And, and I think that made it better because, as I said before, I always doubt myself. And I think the fact that I, you know, redeemed myself in the next game showed to myself that I can do it on the big stage in, in the cup final. Um, but, you know, it was, it was a fantastic time. And obviously I had a hand in, I think it was a winning goal. Paul Mason's won when I had a, a, a long throw. And I think it was Charlie Nicholas or someone that flicked it on and, you know, Paul Mason scored, so um, you no know, great, great memories. And I think the Open Top Bus was just uh, the
0: pinnacle for me. Brilliant. That same season as well, he's won the double. He's won the Scottish Cup against Celtic. It was he scored in the shootout. They won nine eight in penalties. Would you say that was the most nervous you'd ever been?
1: That penalty shootout? Uh well, no, not really. I mean, it was it was the most horrendous game ever, and I think both teams could have played, and could still be played now and never scored. And um, it was just the pitch was horrible. It was hot. It was just a horrible, horrible day. Um, and I remember um, just before the end of the, the, the normal time, Mike Galloway gives me a, a dead leg so I could hardly walk. Um, and then you, you went into penalty kicks and you think to yourself, well, there's no way I'm going to be going into this. Um, there's no way in, in a million years I'm going to be taking a penalty kick because there was something like end up being about the seventh or eighth. And you always think it's got to be done after the first five. So I'm just standing there and my the legs seizing up. It's getting worse and worse. And, and eventually nobody's missing or I was all even. And then I look along and I see Graham Watson, who's 18. I'm thinking, gee, I, I need to step up here. I can't let him go before me. So I go and I walk and I forgot about my thigh. And, and honestly, I could hardly walk. I'm walking up and I'm thinking, gee, I can't, I can't even run. So I put the ball down and everybody says to me, oh, it was such a cool penalty kick because you took two steps. But that's all I could because I could hardly move. And I tried to put it to Pat Bonner's right. Um, and he actually went that way and I actually mishit it and he went straight in the middle. Um, and, and I think it was funny, I, I wasn't really nervous. Um, I was lucky that I scored, but I wasn't nervous because I felt that, you know, I'll, I'll be lucky if I can even take a penalty kick because mm-hmm. um, I was injured and I didn't expect it. Um, so I wasn't really particularly nervous. It was just a case you got there and, and I did think to myself, right, I've got no idea what I'm going to do here. Because I didn't, I wasn't planned. I didn't expect to take a penalty kick, and, and as I say, if I if I if I hit the ball too, um, Celtic would have won the cup. <laughs> I You mentioned earlier
0: about Ian Jess. Just how good did you think he would become?
1: Um. Well, so I mean, I actually watched something. his birthday the other day, um, and I actually some compilation of goals. Um, I saw on um, I kind of was Facebook or Twitter or something. Um, and honestly the goals the quality of goals he scored and it wasn't against he scored a lot of goals against Rangers and Celtic and um, you know I remember one game in particular we, we played Dunfermline and he scored a hat-trick but the, the quality of each goal was just incredible yeah. um, and, and and I think you know I, I'm not saying you un- he was very very good but I think he probably could have gone and played at a higher level um, I don't know why he didn't but I think he could have played at the, you know, the top top level I think he was that good
0: Mm-hmm. And that the last season you had at Aberdeen obviously was the season you challenged <coughs> Rangers really close to the title. It came to a last day decider. You spent a 12 game unbeaten run before that game at Ibrox.
1: Were, were you confident that you just could upset Rangers? Yeah, I think what the biggest problem that we had at that point was, um, you know, going into the, the second last game, uh, we, I think we played St Johnston at home, we won 2 1. And I think Motherwell beat Rangers, or yeah. I think they were losing. They're beating them 2-1 or 2-0 or something. And our game, for some reason, our game finished, we were in the dressing room. And the way the scores were would mean that we'd have to go to Ibrox to win. Mm -hmm. Um, And then as we came in the dressing room, Motherwell scored another goal, which meant we would have to draw at at the worst draw and win the league. And I think that was the biggest problem we had. Um, because it's always in the back of your mind Oh, wait, a draw, because you go to Ibrox it's very difficult to win, but yeah. I think if you have to go there and win you've got more chance of doing it knowing that you know if you cause if you if you, if you know the back of your mind you've got a draw coming up, you're going to struggle um, and on the day we just froze, it just didn't happen, um, you know a few snelders didn't play that day um, so it was just, a, and I think the atmosphere the whole day, you know going to Ibrox is such a intimidating place anyway, particularly on a day like that and you know, we didn't have um, a regular goalkeeper. Um, even though things were in our favour, you just had a feeling before the game that it wasn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. And obviously that was your last game for
0: Aberdeen. Like, how do you how do you look back now? Your, your spell at Aberdeen was at one of the best <coughs> times of your life.
1: Well, it is. I mean, obviously you played your, played for your boyhood club. Um, you know, I, I remember when I signed for Aberdeen and got my first game. I, I don't care what happens now. I've played for Aberdeen and... Um, it's, it's a dream come true. It's like every kid, you know, you you get to play, and you know, you the stadium, you go and watch your your heroes play, and and but I think the main thing for me was that I played with the players that I used to idolise. You know, Willie Miller, McLeish, McKinney, you know, um, Billy Stark was there. I mean, you could go through the whole team. John Hewitt. I was very very fortunate to play with with those guys, and um, but I think more than more than anything, just to play from a local team and to say that I played for the, the club I used to go and watch every week. Brilliant. When did you first hear that Rangers were looking at you? Was there any other clubs that were, were interested in you? <clears throat> yeah, there was a few. I think that's the year my contract was up. Um, there was, I think it was Aston Villa, Sheffield United, Rangers. Um, but the years before that, there was Liverpool, there was Manchester United, there was Coventry and Tottenham, Arsenal. You know, a lot of the big guns, even at, I think it was Bordeaux, I think in France. So there was a lot of clubs interested, but when my contract came, there was the three clubs that came. And But I knew probably two weeks before um, my last game for Aberdeen that I was going to be going to Rangers. Um, I remember we sort of verbally agreed to go. My agent with um, Graham Souness had agreed to go. And I remember we were in the minibus at Pataudry going to Seton Park to train with all the Aberdeen players. And, you know, I remember, you know, driving back and the radio was on and it was breaking news from. I game Graham soonest had left for the Angels and gone to Liverpool, mm-hmm. and all the Aberdeen players are jumping about, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, and you can imagine what they were saying. And I'm sitting in the bus thinking, oh, no, what's going to happen now? <laughs> uh, but to be fair, Walter Smith, um, you know, they were too their word that they kept it, and um, as I say, it all got completed. Um, but I knew probably probably a week or so before um, that last game that I was going to go to Rangers, so. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it's it's, it's nerve wracking, you know. you know. I was uh, pretty quiet in those days and shy, and you know, and Aberdonians are very reserved people. And you know, you're sort of leaving your your home city probably for the first time to go to you know Glasgow, where you know you've got Rangers Celtic thing and everything. I felt, oh, um, well, you're very very nervous, but it's something you can't turn down. Yeah, definitely. What
0: were your family's thoughts when you when you made the move to Rangers?
1: Um, well my wife she supports everything um we'd we've been married about a year or so we'd been dating for about four or five years before that, so she knew what it was all about for me kind of thing mm-hmm. um, but my dad um my dad and my brother my brother's twelve years younger you know, they were obviously aberdeen supporters and uh, my brothers are still a, a very um you know aberdeen a, a strong aberdeen supporter he lives in Oban, and he'll drive to Pieaudre and all over to watch Aberdeen, so I, th- I found it. It was very, very difficult um, for them. Um, my brother got bullied at school because he obviously was, he was still at primary school when I um, left to go to Rangers, um, and, and my dad, you know, I think he found it hard. Um, he came and watched Rangers play because it was his son playing, but yeah. um, I think he found it hard that I'd gone away to another club. You know, I'm not saying he was disappointed, but um, I think he hoped that I'd gone to a different club. Um, but you know, I think the biggest compliment I could ever get is. A year later, he told me it's the best thing I've ever done. So that meant a lot to me. Um, but no, they—they, they, I, I didn't realise at the time that it would have an impact on, particularly my, my brother. And mm-hmm. um, when obviously Walter Smith
0: was it was the manager. He got the job after soonest. But Archie and Ox was there as well, and obviously I reunited with
1: him. Just t- what was your yeah. first impression? I getting in there with Walter and Archie. Um, it was good. I, I remember the first day I goes in, and um, you know, you're going, I, I told you go I you go in the side door. Um, all the players, you know, quietly go in the side door, and uh, the Rangers, you know, you go in the, in the main doors, and there's a commissioner there, Stan, and Jimmy Bell takes you in, and, and you walk into the Ibrox, dressed rest of them, and you see you know, Hayley McCoist, Goff, uh, Gary Stevens, Trevor Steven, and you think to yourself, I don't belong here, um, I shouldn't be here, um, and then Jimmy Bell says to me, he says, hey, you've got, you've got a tough, um, you've, got, you've got big shoes to fill, and I goes, alright, he goes, yeah, this is your number here number six it was like they didn't have um playing numbers it was like training number so i was number six and he says that's terry butchers <laughs> um, and i thought oh my god so then you know you sit down in your place yeah. and i'm in between sandwich in between richard goff and ian ferguson and i'm close to the the noisy corner with Jamant and mccoyst and ian ferguson and haitley and um, but to be fair they made me feel very very welcome but uh, you, you go in there and you're so intimidated and. Um, like I said before, I didn't sort of have a lot of belief in myself as a player. Um, and, you know, I did really, really doubt myself the day I walked in there. And when you, you made your debut against Johnson, just like,
0: what was your, your memory to that first season? Obviously, that first season, like that Andy Gorham, Stuart McCall, and that came in as well. and mm-hmm. is that, It's more, would, would you say it was a kind of three foreigners rule was the
1: reason like, a lot of Scots get signed that season? Yeah, I know that's one of the reasons I was, you know, signed. And I think as years went on, um, you know, I'm under no illusions. That's why I was signed at, at, at the start. Um, but I think as time went on, obviously that relaxed and it showed that I, I must have been a decent player because I could have signed anyone they wanted. Um, but no, the, the team was fantastic. The team that you built was great. We didn't go off to be great at start. Um, I think we knocked out a, to the Champions League to Sparta Prague mm-hmm. lost to I think it was hearts beat us away. Um, so we didn't start off well, but it ended up good with uh, you know the the league and um, the first league championship and then the, the Scottish cup against Airdrie, so um it was it was a very very good start but um it, um, it uh, the first I think the first game i I felt was that the pitch was just massive. You know, I played at Eyebrows yeah. before, but when you're actually playing there um, and also the crowd and, and I was very fortunate that the crowd, um, you know, took to me and they never, never once gave me any stick or any hassle, I think because I, I was full blooded and I'd give of a, a half for the, for the jersey and I think they appreciated that. But um, I do think if I got on the wrong side of them, I could have folded pretty easily. <laughs>
0: The ninety two, ninety three seasons, uh obviously the, well, the the famous one was a one was a run in Europe. Just a couple of games I want to kind mention first of all. <laughs> the, the game against Leeds, just what was the what was the atmosphere in getting into that game?
1: Yeah. Well obviously there was no away fans supposed to be allowed in. Um, and I remember um the game at Ibrox. I don't know why, but I was told to Mark Lee Chapman that he was like the, the jolly green giant giant and and I, I'm only five eleven. But anyway. The ball came in, I remember it, and I had a great clearance, great header out to edge of the box, and McAllister it into the roof and net. And I thought, oh my God, here we go. Um, and, and I did think, because before the game, it was, you know, the English league's far better than the Scottish league. And you go a goal down in the first couple of minutes, you do think that's it. Um, but then, you know, the Rangers supporters got behind us, and we came back and won 2 1. Um, but I think Ireland Road was, you know, it was really a memorable night. You know Archie with all the newspaper clippings that even in England are, ah, you know, two ones not enough. Leeds will win, Leeds will be in the Champions League. So all these things were pinned up on the board and, and what have you. And we're all wound up and um and we go down there and you know it's probably the, the best display um okay as a team, but I think Andy Gordon was fantastic yeah, that night definitely. and then and then Haitley, um Haitley sort of scored the same as what McAllister did a wonder goal in the first few minutes. Uh, it puts you 3-1 up so it gives you a, a bit uh, um, a bit of breathing space but I mean you know obviously Cantona I think Hod Wallace was there um, Strachan Bate, you know the late Gary Speed just yeah. so many big names there and and we hung on and hung on and then we, we nipped one again at the end and it, it was you know it was also a, a bit like sort of against all odds um, and, and I remember actually when we came off because there were no Rangers fans here, we actually got applauded off by Leeds United which was a an amazing amazing thing to happen and um, and obviously we had a, a night out the night that night I think it was in Manchester or something so we all enjoyed that and um, I think every Rangers player had Rangers supporters sleeping in there on their floors in their, their hotel room Um, you know a couple of tracksuits went missing and stuff but it was just it was a great great experience. Brilliant and obviously that the the night at Elland Road was did Sir Alex come into the dressing room? Yeah, he did you can, I think it was before the game or after I think it was before the game to wish everybody good luck. Um and I remember um, the Ellen Road in those days. Um, the the toilets for the away dressing was out of the dressing room and along the corridor. It wasn't even in the dressing room. Okay. Obviously it's a bit of intimidation. Must have been the Billy the Billy Bremner and the um Don Riviera that you know, all that grind games come in. But it was amazing you now. Alec Ferguson came in and wished everybody good luck and I think he was in it after the game as well. But it was just a uh, it was just great. And and I think it was just a group of players that we had. You know, I just felt that you you, you could achieve anything. You know, no one was big-headed or full of it. We just had that. And, and, and I don't think we were particularly the greatest individual team, you know, because in those days we didn't have loud rubber gas going. Yeah. We were just very workmanlike and just had just had a, a big heart. And I think that's what helped us. And, and that night, you know, we had to hang on for grim death for long spells in that game. And as I say, Andy Gorham is just, you know, Fantastic. Probably that well, he is the best goalkeeper I've ever played with for sure. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. That's getting into the Champions League, obviously.
0: He's been in the group with Marseille, CSK, Moscow, and Club Bruges. Were you just confident?
1: Get into that group. I don't think I don't I don't think anybody ever mentioned how we were going to go. I think Rangers was a case of just take one game at a time and you know it's more of oh, well, we're playing against Marseille, like this big experience. Um, you know, Rudy Voller, Alan Boksic. Um, you know, Didier Deschamps, all these guys playing for um, uh, Marseille. And, you know, I don't think it was a case, oh, we're going to beat them. You just go and play the game. And, you know, we went 2-0 down, and I'm not saying it was expected, and you thought, oh, well, this is a bit of a disaster here. And then, again, you know, a range of supporters get behind, you know, make a couple of substitutions, um, big Hatley scores and, and Mick Swiggin scores. Um, and remember... That game, you know, I think Stephen Presley was maybe what 18 at the time, yeah. and Mick Swiggin came on, and and you're you're talking, you're playing against the, you know, probably the bit, well they won it that year, but you're talking about playing some world class players, mm-hmm. um, and you know you're all but out, and then you come back, um, with a, you know, bunch of young kids and and get a, a pretty good comeback, mm-hmm. and I think that gave us a, a big bit of belief that night. Yeah,
0: obviously the run, you just go unbeaten, but the, the game I want to touch on was the game against Marseille at the Velodrome. Just
1: what was the atmosphere yeah. like at that? Was that kind of one of the best? Oh, really, oh it was incredible. I mean, it's all firecrackers and the noise. And I remember the tunnel seemed to be like a... It must have been about five miles long to get out. Um, and then when you get out, it's really, really intimidating. Um, and I remember the grass being long for some reason. I don't know why the grass was long. and. Um, I mean, the atmosphere was incredible. Probably not the greatest night for me. I pulled my hamstring, and then I, I misplaced a, a clearance, or pass, or whatever I was doing. And um, I think it was Frank who scored, yeah. um, or he scored. So that put end to it. But you know, I, I think on the night, um, I think we could have, uh, you know, won the game.
0: Mm-hmm. And that obviously, we look back now, and obviously Marseille, we, we know what happened there. But do you look back now? We can of uh, about a taste in your mouth of how
1: how it went down, like. No, I've been asked that a lot, and I think um, no one really thought anything about it because it was passed, and, and I think we did pretty well um, as far as we got in the season that we had. You no, know, the terrible, and I think we went forty four games unbeaten, and um, just a, a a memorable season. And yeah, it would have been nice to, have, you know, got to the final and and had a crack at that. But you know, I think everybody I'm not saying satisfied, but I'm more than satisfied of of, of that season to be a part of it. And I think. Uh, I play, I was one of the players that played, you know, probably the most games and um, that season as well, which which says a lot um, for me. And, and but no, I just think it was a fantastic season, and you know, um, we did carry a bit of luck. I've got to admit, you know, you'd two in down against Marseille, and you come back two each, and then you know you you get Nizzi's goal, mm-hmm. um, which came down with snow on it. So <laughs> there was a lot of luck as well, and, and you know maybe a luck ran out. I don't know, but it was just a, a fantastic season. Um, great to be a part of that.
0: Yeah, a domestic travel as well. Would you would you say that was the best season in your career? It was the kind of memories for the domestic yeah,
1: season. Yeah, well, I think um, I mean I I always go back to like Willie Miller. Um, I've met him once or twice since I've been back in Aberdeen. But you know, growing up, he was um, a hero of mine. Um, but then when you play again, play with him in the side, he's, he's grumpy as anything, and <laughs> I would he'd blame me for his bad passes and. And all sorts of stuff. Um, and you're, you're so young and quiet that you just take it and say, well, you actually apologise for his bad pass. Um, so I remember he was a manager of Aberdeen at the time. And Aberdeen had a fantastic season. And I think they'd done enough points in the league any other season to win it. Um, but obviously, they, they were second in the league to us. And we beat them in the Scottish League Cup 2 um, 1. They were second in that as well. And then, you know, when you think about a Rangers player, Going for a treble against your old team. Yeah. The manager's the guy that used to slot you all the time. The game's played at Parkhead, you're in the Celtic home dressing room and you win the treble. I don't think it gets any better than that.
0: Definitely. How good was the camaraderie in that team? And what was the kind of best stories you remember for that that season? Um
1: I, mean, I just think that. I mean, I was um I was I was quite young, particularly the first season. Um, I was still 21, 22. And um, a lot of the players are a lot older than me. Um, but I, I just used to, have, you know, nights out, and it would end up being a day out. You know, you, you leave after 10 at twelve o'clock, and you go out, and um, you know, last man standing kind of thing. Um, but it was just that, uh, you know, and the, the it was, it was so much fun. I, I was obviously I was quite quiet and what of you. But you know, you see like some of McCoys and, and everything. But the, the one the one guy I used to laugh at was was absolutely brilliant. Was uh, Ian Ferguson. Um, he 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 um. Changed next to me, but he, he lived. I lived two doors down from him. and um, I bought a house next. He actually conned me into buying a house mm-hmm. two doors down. I think so. He, he got his driveway done. I uh, got a new driveway when I bought the house. Um, but what he would do was sometimes I'd go in the car with him, or he'd come with me, and he'd just think about magpies. You know, one for one for sorry, two for joy. And um, he'd be he'd be in his car, we're driving to ibrox, and he'd go bastard, <laughs> He says, "What's that?" He says, "Oh, a magpie." And he'd keep driving and driving until he saw another one. Um, he was just, and, he, and he's superstitious as anything, you know, he ups, that's part of his superstition. And I remember one day he had this thing when um, he, he says, I, I sat next to him, for a, I don't know how long it took me for I asked him, because he had this thing of putting his socks and shoes on before he put his trousers on. And and I just what's the easy to do that? And he says, well, if there's a fire, I'm out of here. <laughs> So, um, but no, there's just, there's just so many stories for the team. And, um, but it's just, it's day to day and it's just banter. You know, you used to come in, um, you know, you come in with a, it was like, call and tie it in those days. Yeah. To wear a suit and a call and tie. And and you'd maybe come in with some dodgy stuff, something that didn't match and everything. And um you know, McCoy or someone would tell you, ask if you'd been dressed in the dark or, or they'd say, what's your missus wearing? You know, all <laughs> that stuff. So, um, never a dull moment. Brilliant. <laughs> The following season, the 93-94, you've won the league cup in the league,
0: and the cup final. used the Scottish cup final. He was going for back-to-back trebles against D United. How so was that to lose that game?
1: Yeah, I, I think that season a lot of injuries were catching up with a lot of people, and um, you know we were all we sort of limped over the finishing line with uh, winning the league. Um, but I think the game against Dundee United, it's it's a bit like the game I played um, the cup final when I was at Aberdeen and we beat Celtic in penalty kicks was that we could have played all day and never scored. It was just one of those days. And um, obviously it was a, a mix up for the goal just after halftime and Craig Brewster scored. But um, it was, I, I I think if, no disrespect to Dundee United, but I think if we played Celtic or Aberdeen or something, we might have had the energy or the the firepower to do it. But I just think it was a game too many for us and, Mm-hmm. Um, it was flat, and I'm not saying nobody was up for a game. Just a very, very difficult game, and um. But when you look back, I think you talk about disappointments. That is a disappointment that we didn't, you know, manage to win that game. Um, because back-to-back trebles would have been pretty special. Yeah,
0: definitely. The following season, Brian Ledrup comes in. When did you get the? When did you first realize that that
1: player was was world? <clears throat> um. Well, actually. His first game was against Clyde in a preseason game at Broadwood, um, and there was all this hype about this Brian Laudrup coming in, um, and I'm I'm playing behind him, and I'm I walk in at half time and I think I'm I don't know what the hype is about this guy. I don't think he's that great, and it turns out that it, it was it was me that was hopeless. You know, he was he was playing passes, passes. Oh, that's what I should be, and and what have you. It was just a, it was just a different level. You know, once. I ended up having a good, um, plain relationship with him. Um, and I think it's just because I understood how he played and, and he made it easy for me, the game. Um, but at the early part, you know, I just... But I used to admire what he did, even in training, you know. Um, I remember one time in a game, he, I don't know how many times he turned Alan Dinney at Patrick up. He was up, he was down, he was up, he was down. And Alan Dinney must be thinking, for God's sake, just cross the ball and owe you. Um, because he's just... Yeah, the man was just a genius.
0: Mm-hmm. And that that season, that 94-95 season was interesting. You said the, the, the defeat to A K Athens in the Champions League and the, the defeat to <clears> Fulham in the, <fall throat> the League Cup. League Cup was a. Did you feel there was a bit of pressure? Like obviously Walter was was under a bit of pressure then for his European runs and things
1: like that. did you did you feel that pressure? No, it's funny you say that because I think that was when I realised what a good man manager and Walter Smith was. Yeah. Um there might have been some, you know, there might have been some stuff in the newspapers and some speculation that, you know, he may be getting on his way out. But all the all the players loved him and would and mm-hmm. do anything for him. But I think what he did was it was almost like in the six years I was there with him, he was the same all the time. You know, good times, bad times. He would never change his personality. He would never change anything. And he's and it was almost like he was you know, he, he kept the pressure away from the players. You know, you wouldn't think that we'd lost those games and not, but I think Falkirk beat us in the cup um, at the same time. And, and I don't think anybody would believe inside of the Dresden that we're going through such a bad spell. He just kept it away. And I think it, it, it. the man was a genius, I think, that he managed to do that because, you know, being the manager of Rangers can't be easy, the pressure that they're on. You know, I mean, you look at Neil Lennon at the moment, You know, you know, last year he was a... A hero, and now he's obviously things are going well, and, and you know supporters are on top of him, and um, I think Walter Smith must have been through that as well, but he never ever showed it, and he kept it all away from the players. It was tremendous.
0: Mm-hmm. And that season, you won
1: the league relatively easy again. But
0: you play you played twenty eight <clears> games. Did you did you feel kind of fat and that you were you were still kind of the, a very important player on the team?
1: No, I did. Yeah, I was. Um, I, I think injuries were going to creep up with me a little bit to be honest um you know the last two or three years I was beginning to you know knee injuries and hamstrings and and all sorts of things and I would just I mean I I think to be honest with you I don't think I've ever played a lot of the games at Rangers 100% fit you know I play with knocks and other fitness tests in the morning knees are all swollen and I've had a couple injections as well to play but that's just me because I knew that as soon as I missed games, there's a good chance they'll bring somebody else in because they, they had the money and um, and the club was a, the way the club was, that we could attract the, the big names in in world football. So um, I just kept playing and playing. And obviously for the detriment of my career, it, it wasn't the best thing to do. But, you know, I just would do anything to put that jersey on week in, week out. And, and I think, you know, as I say, I think all that and the amount of games that I've been playing, um, it began to take its toll on me mm-hmm. and 95 96 one player comes in Paul Gascoigne just what yeah. was what was it like well he's just um, you know the, the man I mean on the pitch he's a genius Um, but I, I must admit he, because he was right footed he always tended to go to the right hand side and he never really sort of came to the left hand side so He'd almost pretend that he was going to give me a pass and then turn and go the opposite way. Um, I think in what the three years he was there, he might have passed to me about five times in the game. Um, but no, the, the, he was an absolute genius, and um, you know you saw him in the dressing room. But, you know he was actually nervous when he first came in. Uh, believe it or not, you know he was a bit probably like what I was um, nervous going into that dressing room. So you go in, he just I think he hid in the toilet the first, um you know, the first bit. Um, but I remember one time he he comes in and he had his teeth. Um, Ian Jarrant used to slot his teeth because he had his little sort of worn down teeth, and um, used to come ref- with a fresher mouth. <laughs> so um, and he came, he went away and he came in to him one day and he came in and his teeth were like like Jonathan watching that for that they're like five <laughs> sizes too big and uh, I know you can imagine the stick all the boys gave him. Um, thank you. I think Walter well, I told him to go and get a couple inches filed off, and I'm not sure, but um, but no, he was just, but he was such a, a a great guy. You know, on the buses, on the bus, you know, coming back from Aberdeen or Hearts or Dundee or something, often he would sit next to me, and you know, and you could tell that, you know, he was just he was just a good guy, and um, but he knew he had a he had a hard life because he was under the microscope all the time. People yeah. was getting followed, and. Um, and, and some of the things he used to tell me, I used to feel so bad for him. And, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, everybody wants to be Paul, Paul Gascoigne, the type of player he is, the fame, but I think, um, I think he had that. I don't think people realise what a, a hard life he had um, living in that Goldfish Bowl.
0: Yeah, definitely. See, so just while we're on it as well, you, you played three times for Scotland. Was that a, is that a kind of big regret that you didn't play more
1: for him? <clears throat> No, I'm just glad because um, I played for Scotland at every level, you know, youths and. Um, under 21s and be international and obviously the main team but you know I, I think you know I, a lot of people say that I've got issues with Craig Brown and stuff I don't really have issues with it but the issue I had at the time was that um, I was going to weigh in these Scotland tips I was in a lot of the squads yeah. Um, but I knew if Tom Boyd was fit um, I wasn't going to play so you're there you're sitting about in a hotel you know you're not going to be playing you're not training as much as you can and then like I said before, I wasn't the most confident player anyway. You go back to Rangers and your confidence is a bit dashed. So, um, you know, eventually after a while, um, I was in a lot of squads and I knew I just wasn't going to play. I I played, I think I played against Switzerland. um, I got called in at the last minute because Tom Boyd was injured and I played well that night and I played a ball through for John Collins to score. Um, And then after that, I was like, you know, maybe third choice left back after that. And I just sort of thought, you know, for my own good, I need to, you know, sort of call it a day kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like Craig Brent, for example, I mean, up until Steve Clark, now he was up until now, he was uh, the guy that was last uh, Scotland manager to get the, the country to a major championship. So, um, you know, I certainly have got no hard feelings or anything. And, um, and, you know, if, if I was asked would I change anything in my career for more Scotland Caps, I certainly wouldn't. Mm, definitely. That season, the 95-96, was a very
0: tough season for Rangers. Obviously Celtic kind of got resurgent and didn't give up that season. Just how tough was that season for <clears throat> for, for, for you?
1: Yeah, as I say, I think, um, you know, the, the more... I always found the championships, you know, the first couple of times you win, it's fantastic, particularly the first one. Um, but after that, it becomes a relief. It becomes a grind. Um, because you know that, you know, the Rangers, you have to keep winning and winning. And obviously Celtic are, are coming back all the time. And, um, and 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 again, you're going about, you know, fantastic players at the Rangers, ups and Gascoigne, but again, you know, Andy Gorham, I don't know how many times you yeah. saved this. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but again, obviously that's what a goalkeeper's there for. Um, you know, a lot of people going about, you know, Haley, McCoyst and, Goffey and, and all those guys, but I think Andy Gorham was he's probably one of the main in the six years I was there. Certainly, the main if one of the main players, if not the main player. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know Celtic, as I say, I think a lot of the times a little bit like the the first half of the well up until the sending off at the weekend there, um, Celtic always dominated. Um, you know Andy Gorham, the back four defending well, and then you know you've got some like Ali McCoist or Hayley can pop up with a goal. Yeah, you know, so. Um, I think that was. I don't think any Celtic game that I, I ever played in, um, we ever dominated it. But you know, we we won our, our fair share. Definitely,
0: the season. you are going for eight in a row that season in the game against Aberdeen. At Ibrox, where I would say Gaza is the. I would say it's the best yeah. one of the best games you'll ever you'll ever see from a, a player. What was the yeah. What was the thoughts of that game? Just how how good was that <clears> to win eight
1: in a row? Um, I think I think it, that was the time when you think, God, we're not far away from nine. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me it's probably the first time you realise and then obviously you're playing against my old team I um, mean, you know, I used to get a lot of stick when I, I went to Petaudry and, and all sorts of stuff, you know, even when I am back visiting, um, I used to get a lot of, my family got a bit of stick so um, it's always extra special then to beat um, Aberdeen and I think um, Aberdeen went a goal up early on and you think oh God, this is going to be a disastrous day and then but I think everybody goes on about that as a second goal, but I think his first one was just as good. Yeah. Um, oh, definitely. You know, you know he, he just, it was almost like, I think, I think the Rangers um, and all the time that I was there, the first two or three years, it was workmanlike. It was a grind with a team of winners. And I think a lot of teams realised that, and I'm not saying they got to grips with how we, we played, um, but then you bring in a Gaza and a Loudrop and you've just got match winners. You know They can just do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got Andy Gorham at one end and then you've got those two players that can win a, a game on their own. And, and that day, um, I think if it wasn't, obviously, Gaza, up these guys, if we didn't have those kind of stars, I think you know it might not have been eight in a row. Um, I think, um, but I, as I say, that the first goal was just incredible. Yeah, yeah. And I think Alan McLaren... Gave uh, Gaza a G up just before he scored his his second one. Mm-hmm.
0: And obviously the week he's, he's won eight in a row. and the week after that was the the famous Scottish Cup final where Gordon Dury scores a hat trick and it's yeah. called the Loudrop final. Just what was that game like as well? He's won five one. Um,
1: yeah, it's it's it's, it's probably the only cup final that I've never wanted to end. Normally you're sort of hanging on at the end at two one or one nothing. Um, but that game. You know, the game was won pretty early on and everybody mm-hmm. just enjoyed it. And, you know, I think it was a time when that was keeping the ball up in the air and, and back healing it and all sorts of stuff. And and I just felt that I just never wanted that game to end because it was almost like the perfect game. You can just enjoy it, enjoy the, you know, the occasion and what have you. And um, But, you know, it's, you know, Gordon Jury, I think Judy got a hat-trick that day, didn't he? And um, mm-hmm. yeah, But just so many great performances that day. Um, and to win such heavily, or to win such a high margin, the final was just incredible. But um, no, as I say, it was, I think it was just fitting to the, the team that we had then. He's mm-hmm.
0: you going your your last season. You were still only twenty seven. Did you feel at that time you could have been
1: at Rangers for the rest of your career? <clears throat> um, yeah, but I I think I'd, there was a lot of injuries. You know, as I say, my knee, my back. I was, you know, because I've been playing constant since I was seventeen. You know, at high level. Yeah. Um, and, and I think I'm not saying my body was big enough to sort of pack in a bit. Um but you know, I th- I thought that year, you know, I think if I'd stayed another four years, I could have got a testimonial. But mm-hmm. I felt as well. I just had this feeling round about um halfway through that season, even if we got nine in the row or we didn't, that Walter at some point was gonna move on. Mm-hmm. Um and and I thought to myself, well, I've, I've been playing in you know, Scotland for what 10, 12 years or something. I think it was 10 years. Yeah. Maybe maybe longer. Um, you know, and you're playing against the same players, the same teams four times a year. Um, and I felt that if I wanted a change, I'd have to do it now, otherwise it'd be too late. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the reasons was I had a feeling that some point water would go and I and I didn't want to be at Rangers. Um because if someone else came in, I was sort kind of coming to the end of my career as well. Someone else came in didn't fancy me. I would hate to be in the reserves and yeah. you know sort of fizzle out. Um, you know, I obviously went out in a high at Rangers, um, which was good. Um, but when you know, I go to Leeds and you know, quickly, you know within a month or so I wished I was still back at Rangers yeah that last
0: season as well it was another disappointing Champions League league campaign did you did you feel that was the, kind of like your biggest regret of your Rangers career that like you didn't perform well until at a high level in Europe when you used the, the players to kind of do so
1: yeah I, 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 I honestly I don't know what it is um, <clears throat> but I do feel in Scotland at that time it was very very. I remember one season we played at um, played in Chirin against Juventus yeah you know, all these superstars and then you fly back and you're playing at Far Hill on a Saturday, mm-hmm. you know, so it's like two ends of the, the spectrum. And I think it's very hard to go from playing those kind of games to playing against the, you know, the best teams in the world, um, you know, and obviously there's a lot more games now in Europe but than it was then. It was, um, and I think it's, I think a lot of it was going from, you know, playing, you know, no disrespect to the sort of, the teams in Scotland to then going to playing against the the big big you know having to raise your game against superstars more than anything. Yeah. Um, and maybe maybe we didn't maybe we tried to play the same way um, and maybe we should have been a little bit more cautious. Um, I'm not sure, but you know we had the players. You know you you got guys that played in World Cups, European Championships. Um, you know you go them. You just um, you could just go down the whole thing and you could say it's disappointing. Um, but you can see how they are now. Um, Gerard's got them. Certainly got them going, and um, I think his experience at Liverpool certainly paid off. But um, as I say, it's the time I had at the Angels was incredible, and um, you know, never sort of forget any of it. Definitely.
0: How big a pressure
1: was it for you to get the nine in a row? Yeah, I, th- I think, um, I think it was like business as usual more than anything, and it wasn't until we got close to the end. I think the biggest. Um, which we played Motherwell, and we thought that was going to be it you know, the, the final day, the final home game. And we're going to get there, you know, the t shirts were printed, and um, mm-hmm. the nights out were organized, and it was just a, a massive anti climax. And then you look after that and you think, gee, we've got to go to Tannadice. And I always found Tannadice the hardest place to go and and get a win. Um, And then obviously, after that, Castle, So it's like you think to yourself, well, no disrespect to Motherwell, but. You know, that's the game you're going to win. It didn't happen. Owen Coyle, I scored a couple of goals. Mm-hmm. Um, and, <clears throat> you know, suddenly you're going to Tannadice in, in the midweek. Um, and, you know, that's that was a real pressure game. I think it was good that we knew we had another chance if if we didn't do it that night. Um, but, you know, as I say, we just ground it out at, at Tannadice because it's a, it's a horrible place to go and play.
0: Yeah, how big were the old farm games that season? Do you remember the game at Parkhead was? I think
1: did Haley, Haley
0: come
1: back that season, didn't he? It was Andy Donald? Yeah. That was that game. Like? I, he, I I actually believe not, I was, I think I was injured. Mm-hmm. Um, I pulled my hamstring, or maybe I was suspended. I'm not sure. Um, so I missed that game. But I remember you know, we couldn't even go to the game. Tickets, and you know, sometimes it's not the safest place to go. Mm-hmm. So I, I remember watching it at home on TV, and, and and you know, and again, I think you know, Walter Smith management, you know, okay, Haley was probably past his best by then, but the fact that you brought him back for that game, okay, he got sent off, but I think I think that day, Walter's decision to bring him back, you know, won us that game. Definitely. You talked about that game at Tannadice, just what was, the, what
0: was the feeling like after he's had won it? Obviously, Charlie Miller scored with his uh, left foot and Loudon scored
1: a header, Could it have been more... Yeah, could it have- well, exactly. And, but people, people forget that there was a... I threw the ball to Charlie Miller, so I get the uh, second assist. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, as I say, a left foot crossing at a louder pedder, you know, it just uh, just shows you it was meant to be. Um, yeah. But after the game, it was incredible. I remember Richard Goff um, in tears. It was his, okay, he didn't play that night, but it was his last time in a, in a, in a rain. Well, it turned out it wasn't, but mm-hmm. um, it was for that point. Um, obviously, it, that was emotional for him. Um, and it turned out, obviously, it was my last game for for Rangers as well. I think my biggest <coughs> regret really was um, not going back on the bus no. and celebrating because uh, I think, you when know, I was told guys I went back with his full kit on and I think they were stopped at pubs and he was in with his old kit on. and um, You know, I must have, obviously I heard it was a fantastic night out, and but, you know, I decided to, you know, go back. My wife was at the game, so I went back in the car with her and, Um, You know, I didn't realise how, I don't actually think I realised how big nine in a row was um, until maybe, you know, the next day or the day after that, um, what an achievement it was. Um, Because I was always a person that just, uh, you know, keep an eye on on the next game because, you know, it might be my last, you know, Rangers. I could get injured, Rangers could sign somebody else. So I never looked too far ahead. But that is a big regret that I didn't go back on on the team bus that night.
0: Yeah, you touched on as well. Obviously, you 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 wanted to try a different league. Like, was that was that the kind of big reason you decided to move on, or were injuries playing a
1: part as well? Yeah, um, wasn't as much injuries because um, the the deal well, the move to Leeds almost didn't happen um, because I had a knee injury that I didn't know about. Um, but no, I, I just felt that you know it was weird that you know all throughout my career was. That see the beginning or oh, halfway through that nine in a row season, um, I was all I almost went to Inter Milan. Right. Um, it was all agreed between the two clubs, and I had agreed personal terms, and um, <clears throat> I was all set to go. But um, Roy Hodgson got sacked, and that's that sort of stopped. And then after that, there was all these clubs came in. You know, Atletico Madrid came in, Valencia, a um, couple of Italian teams, and um, they all came in, and I was tempted to go, but but George Graham seemed to be very very persistent to, to take me to to Ellen Road and I met him a couple of times and um you know just he was a very very persuasive guy and um you know financially it was a it was a good it was a good move um and then we we took the took the chance um but then when I, I got there I had to get everything was agreed and done and dusted um and I had to get a, a medical and then and then after the scan they told me that I would no cruciate ligament um, mm-hmm. and I didn't realize with all the medical records going back to Rangers I'd been playing without one for about five years um, and I didn't know and then as soon as I knew I developed a limp started to limp uh, even though I'd managed to play you know hundreds of games um, and then it was always in the back of my mind and and I felt probably at Leeds United I was only ever 70% fit and then when you go to I remember my first game was Arsenal at Elland Road against, you know, Overmars and Ray Parlar and, and you know, Ian Wright, all those guys. And you just realise that, I'm not saying it's a different level, but everybody's fast. A big part of my game was speed, um, but everybody was fast. They needed something more about you mm-hmm. to, to be successful there. But, you know, the problem I had was that as soon as I knew about the injury, um, I was only 70% um, fit. Um, and obviously mentally it was always in my mind.
0: Yeah. Just before we touch on leads, just obviously you won twelve trophies in your <clears> six years <throat> at IROX. Just sum up like your experience there and your, the the friendships you had with the, the players. Just yeah, how, how good was it? time in your life?
1: Know, I think um you know I look at a lot of players that have, have gone to Rangers and and I'm no different to any of them. Some of them have been there for six months, some of them have been there for ten years. But it's almost like if you if you've only been there a month, it's your club. It's yeah. It's It sort of changes your life. It just gives you that, I don't know, it's just an outlook in football. Um, and I think it's the supporters, how well you're looked after. And don't get me wrong, I had a you know, very, very successful time there. Um, but I, I feel myself that um, I, I loved every minute of it. I wish I could do it again. Um, but the one thing I feel that I was very, very fortunate and lucky to have had the, the privilege of playing there for that length of time. Brilliant.
0: You move on to Leeds, as you
1: said. George Graham, what was your first impressions of him? No, he was great. You know, he's, um, he sold me on, on Leeds. Um, pre-season was fantastic. Um, you know, I played pretty, pretty well in, in pre-season, even though I knew the back of my mind about the injury. Uh, and I played the first few games and, you know, played well against... Uh, we played, First game was Arsenal. And um, I think we beat Newcastle. We beat Manchester United at Elland Road. And... Um, and then suddenly he decided that he wanted me to change the way I defended and played. And and I tried to change that way. And I just I couldn't do it. I was I was twenty-eight at the time. Very, very difficult to change the way I was. Um even the training was diff- different. You know, I was used to, you know, how we did things at Rangers, and suddenly you're training twice a day. Um, you know, a hard session on a Friday, whereas on a Friday normally it was easy. And I just felt so lethargic plus the the problems with my knee, I just felt um, really, really, sort of not as my best, not as my sharpest. And in a league like that, you have to be at your, yeah. you know, your 100% best. Um, but, you know, it, it, was, it was a great experience. Um, and it all came to an end when I, I went for a header um, at, against Leicester at, at Filbert Street. And I came down, and my knee just gave way. And, and that was the beginning of the end, really.
0: Mm-hmm. and like obviously when you were into to Leeds there were some good good players there like uh, David Hopkins, Rod Wallace Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank Harry cool like who impressed yeah. you when you were there
1: um, Harry Kuhl was, was something else I mean he was only 18 he came in you know he was around about the same he was a younger kid but um, he was fantastic um, but Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank for me is you know uh, McCoy and Hitley are great um, but I think Hasselbank for me is you know I've I've never seen anybody with so much confidence. You know, mm-hmm. you got a striker that can't don't score for six weeks or six games, and you know they go to pieces. Um, but he was so confident in his own ability, unbelievable. And you know, his finishing was the power that he could finish at. Just just it was just a different level. Um, but even you know you're going about those players. But when I went in, um, there was players that they were tight to get rid of. There was Tony DiRigo. There was uh, Thomas Brolin. Mm-hmm. There was Ian Rush. Carlton Palmer. Uh, you know, the list goes on about the players that, you know, George Graham was trying to move out. So, when I went in there, it was very similar to you going to range. And it's a who's who's of football when you go in there. And, um, as I say, it's um, it, it was a great experience. And, we you know, we loved Leeds as a place. We ended up staying there for five years. My mm-hmm. family stayed there. So, uh, no, great memories there, obviously, the injury part of it. And, and I feel that I let down, you know, George Graham and the supporters, That the fact that I was only ever 70% fit.
0: And obviously when you, you get the bad injury, Ian Hart emerges in the that kind of left <coughs> position. Yeah. Was, that, was that kind of so for you that oh, like he was kind of young and coming through and it took you two years to recover from injuries? Was it just bad? Was it did you feel
1: mentally bad about just how it was going down? Um I just I felt it was it was just a slog, you know. You know, you'd get back from a knee injury and then you groin, someone else would go because it's compensating. Um, I was a bit like a horse, a wounded horse, just waiting to get shot. Um, and then finally, the surgeon told me, that's it, you can't play that level anymore. And it was actually a relief more than anything that he actually said, that's it, you can't play. Um, but, you know, I, I, I made, you know, a few comebacks and um, I almost went back to Aberdeen and Dundee, wanted me to go back mm-hmm. um, there. Um, I went and played a, a friendly game for Barnsley and they wanted me to go on loan there, but I just, my knee just wouldn't do it. Um, so you know when when the surgeon says to me, "Well, you can't play that level anymore." It was it was a relief more than anything because it was like you know as you say it was two years nonstop. You know you see every train and you always know after a year eighteen months that you're never ever going to be the player you were and you knew for sure you I wouldn't be playing in playing for Leeds United. So whatever Ian Hart was doing, you know he's obviously a great player. and um, I always knew that if I ever got back, I'd going to have to move to to continue my career. But obviously, um. I ran out of time. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you think you would have done well at Leeds if you if injuries would have been if you'd have been lucky with injuries?
1: Yeah, I think I would have because I think I was, you know, ready for a change, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, it was exciting, you know. I remember we beat um Manchester United one nothing at Elland Road. It was it was a great atmosphere, a great game. And um, you know, again, but you're playing with all these big name players, playing against them, sorry, and with. Um and I just felt it had been more enjoyable, you know, because every game was a struggle. I was popping, you know, painkillers just to get through training and anti-inflammatory tablets to get swelling down in my knee. Um, it was just, it was a slog and, um, you know, I just did anything I could to, to make sure I could play on, on the Saturday. Uh, probably the detriment to myself again, but that's just the way I was. Um, but, you know, I enjoyed it, but I just felt, now um when the guy told me that's it, it was a relief more than anything and it was like almost a good time to go on with whatever else was next in
0: my life. Yeah. And when you retired at thirty two, did you have a, a kind of backup plan of what you were gonna
1: do next? <clears throat> well, I was at the time I, I had a um a business partner that partner that we actually started a computer company um in Leeds, not far from where um Leeds United trained. So, you know, while I was injured I was still you know, at times when I could, I was going in there to to do the computer business part of it. Um, And I did that for about a year. And then we sort of came out of that. Um, But that sort of helped me transition from playing to, you know, trying to have a normal life kind of thing. Um, And it's more a case of, um, although I did find it hard because I, I, I packed in, I think it was about February or March or something. So by the time, you know, everything sorted out and I'm doing this business. You know, it's the summertime mm-hmm. and then the hard part was when you watch TV and the season starts again and you're not yeah. part of it. Mm-hmm. And that was a hard part. Um, but that tidied me over a little bit and then uh, I got involved in coaching at Leeds United a little bit um, and, you know, went to Thailand and Vietnam with Leeds United coaching and which was, you know, was a good, you know, a good experience. I started doing my coaching badges um, and then, believe it or not, um, I started to play charity games for Leeds mm-hmm. United, old boys like with Peter Lorimer and Glenn Snowden and John Sheridan and, and mm-hmm. guys of like that. So I played all those guys and suddenly I thought to myself, oh, I think I can play again. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't realise that, you know, I was 32 and the guys I was playing with were about 60, mm-hmm. you know, and, and um, <clears throat> I felt that I, somehow in my mind I felt I could play and then. Um, I was I played a game, and I remember a friend, a mutual friend of John Sheridan, who was the manager of Montrose at the time. He called me up and says, "Oh, Mike says that you're you're back playing again. Do you want to come back up as a player coach?" And I was, yep, yeah. I was always I delighted. I was excited. Um, and you know, I used to believe it or not commute from Leeds to to Montrose a couple oh, really? of times a week. Um, and and I think that just shows you that how much you missed the game, how much you wanted to be a yeah. part of it. Um, and then, you know, you go and, you go and play for the Montrose. And the Mentoros are a fantastic club. Um, you know, warm people. We really enjoyed it. John Sheridan was fantastic at the time. And we actually had a very good, potentially a very good team. You know, I think with John McQuillan, um, Ian Gozine, Grant Johnson, Ray McKinnon. A real experienced team, but it just didn't kind of work out. Um, and then after nine games, and um, I snapped my Achilles tendon. So mm-hmm. my career really is over then. Um, but then I, I continued coaching a little bit there and then moved to Elgin. Mm-hmm. But um, No, it was, it was, you know, it was an eye-opener as well,
0: you know, going part-time. Yeah. You, you mentioned that you went to Elgin with Kenny Black. Like, what was, how did that come about?
1: Um, well, I was actually, um, I was at Montrose at the time and Dennis Miller was the, the chairman. Of Elgin, he used to be on the board at Aberdeen, and um, he asked me if I'd be interested in being the manager of Elgin. So I took it and I went there. Um, and then it was after about a year that you know Kenny came in as my assistant, and um, we we both started the Skill Seekers program um, with Ian Vigers. Um He was part of that, when he was he played the first team at Elgin at 15. Yeah. We um, were we're a good setup, so we we're, we're managed to get um you know some of the players full-time obviously some are still part-time you know with big ambitions and big plans for the club and um at that point you know i was sort of putting a bit of money in myself to, to pay players wages kenny was doing the same because we we're very very ambitious and we wanted to to do well with the team and, and i think um the second or third season i was there we got fifth in the league just outside the playoffs and i think when i eventually left i think we were in the round of playoff positions um, but Kenny tried to you know, buy some shares and get the majority sharehold, shareholding at, at the club and um, we all we both thought it was a foregone conclusion and we could uh, move on and, and Kenny could obviously you know, put plans into place as to what he wanted to do and then all of a sudden um, at the last minute there was some other shares somewhere else that someone else bought and, and that was it. Mm-hmm. Um, Kenny didn't get to the club, obviously he he left and I quickly resigned and just basically said, you know, enough's enough. Yeah. And you go back to Montrose where was it Eddie Lilec that was, was there with you as well? Yeah, Eddie It was How there. How good yeah, yeah. was that? How good was that to go back there? Like what was he like? It was good. I obviously I enjoyed the club. Um, you know, I think to be fair to Eddie Eddie was put in a pretty bad position. Um he he was a the manager there. I came in as co manager and I think it was sort of forced upon him more than anything. So it was a it was uncomfortable. Um, he eventually left and I became the manager and, you know, we had a good start to the, the time when I was manager, got manager of the month um, and then, you know, players were, players were getting signed and all these players were coming in. Some of them I didn't know too much about and um, and I just, you know, the results started to go downhill and I just felt that, you know, it's it wasn't really what I was wanting to do um, and it's the shortest I've ever been at a club or, or whatever, and I just felt that you know I need a I need a change, you know. Yeah. And um, it was hard going, you know. I think the disappointment of the Elgin thing, then going to throws and you know being a part of being a co-manager, then manager, um, <clears throat> um it just it didn't sit too well
0: with me. Mm-hmm. And obviously after that, yeah, you, you you take a decision to leave Scotland. Was it?
1: Did you always kind of plan to move to elsewhere? Like, yeah. Um, well, no. Um, believe it or not, um, at the end of my career, um. I had a, one or two opportunities to go to the MLS. Um, obviously, injuries put paid to that. Um, and, you know, me and the family, every, every summer when there was you know, five, six weeks off, we'd rent a house in, in Orlando, stay there for five weeks and, um, you know, just live the life kind of thing. So we always fancied that. Um, and then I got the opportunity to go to America, a club called Sereno in Phoenix, um, a youth club um, coaching three teams at the time. Just thought it was a good opportunity, you know. Obviously, the kids, particularly Chelsea, my daughter, she was about 14 or 15 at the time. She found it very, very difficult, um, but we ended up staying there for 10 years. Um, you know, it was, it was a great 10 years. You know, kids spent most of their life there. Um, all three kids went to college and university there, so that was good. Um, and then, like everything else, you know, probably there too long. 10 years at the at the club Sereno. Um, you know things turned sour. A lot of politics in in youth soccer there. So um, that's I came to an end. Um, but before, but during that time, I was um you know the, the, the head coach of uh, Phoenix F C Wolves, mm-hmm. which is now Phoenix Rising. And um, like Didier Drogba played for them um, a year or so ago. So we started that franchise. Um, but again, you know it that turned out a little bit sour. Um, yeah. You know, it was a good experience. It was good to get back into professional football. and I think that gave me the bug mm-hmm. to, to try and continue in that vein. And um, like you said, we signed Scott Morrison. We signed uh, Darren Mackey. Um, and we signed Anthony Obadai, played at Ajax in Ghana. Yeah. So, you know, there were some very, very good players there. But, you know, Darren, it's a, it's a short season there. Darren came over and he, he played up front with a guy called Aaron King. Um, and they, they hit it off really well in pre-season. But the, la- the first game or the last tuning session before the first game of the season, uh, Darren um, pulls his groin. Mm. So, you know, when he does come back, he's only ever half fit. Um, but there's a funny story about Darren uh, when we're there. So we we're going through a bit of a bad spell because there's a point where the players weren't getting paid. So I had to try and motivate the players on, you know, buying them crates of beer and buses going to game to game to try and keep them happy, keep them morale up. And and we go going pretty well, but we'll go to this place, Tampa. And um, we're playing in this, it's a college stadium. And there's a, a lake behind one of the goals. So, it's we're playing really well in the first half. Absolutely battering Tampa. And they were a good team. So, start of the second half, Anthony nice clean through in the goalkeeper. Goalkeeper takes him down. Um, penalty kick. Goalkeeper off. Down to 10 men. I thought to myself, this is our day. This is our day. Darren steps up. Couldn't scored a goal by this time. He steps up, runs up, hits his ball over the bar into the lake. <laughs> and then um, I go, oh, oh, I can't believe it. Two minutes later, Tampa got the parking score, 1-0. And as the goal goes in, I turn around and I see this ball floating away, miles away. And I think, oh, my goodness. And then um, we, the club ran out of money. So eventually we end up almost playing in a public park. And then... Um, our last game was against Richmond. Kicker Tam McManus actually played for them and he scored. And um, Darren Mack's only goal in the US was an own goal. He's got an own goal. That I mean, so um, yeah, that was a bit of a, a tough experience. But again, it's it was all part of it. It's good. Was the standard good over there? No, it's good. It's getting better and better. You know, there's a lot of the college uh, soccer over there. I don't think it gets the credit it deserves because it is. You know, it's it's good. I don't think anybody really gives it the, the real credit it deserves. So yeah. I think that's a, a big problem in the US. You know, my son was there for a long time and I think that's how we found it hard to get a club back in Scotland. Um, you know, he's, he's playing here in India with me and there's ISL clubs him and um So, you know, he's top talent. But I think playing in America, there's a bit of a stigma attached to it. Yeah, definitely. You
0: move on to India. <clears throat> when did you first hear that there was a, there was a job at Kashmir?
1: Um, Well, believe it or not, about a month or so before, uh, well, maybe about eight months before I got offered a job in China, um, which I never took. And then around about the same time as Kashmir, there was a a job in Uganda. And I turned that down and um, offered the El Kashmir and absolutely no idea anything about India, anything about the I-League, nothing. So I just jumped and had a go at it, uh, which turned out to be, um, at the time, probably not the greatest idea. Um I didn't I didn't understand, I didn't know, I did no research that it. it was actually a war zone I was going to. Um mm-hmm. uh, you know, the the most heavily mi- militarized zone in, in the world that I'm going to and I didn't understand that. You know, in India there's India 90% of the, the countries in sunshine all year. Um in Kashmir there's harsh winters and there's four seasons and it's bleak. Internet goes out. Um it's just at times it's horrendous. Um, mm-hmm. and, I, and I went there and you know, against my wife's blessing and she um, should have say so she she wasn't too happy with me, no internet, can't can't call home. Um Mason's trying to come to Scotland to play football, can't get in touch with him. Um, you know, it, it was horrendous at the start, it was really, really bad. Yeah. And obviously when you get in take the
0: manager's job, you get promoted to the first division. Was that always a target to <clears> get the, the club <throat> up to the, the highest
1: league? Um I, I to be honest with you, I don't know. I just I just came in and, um, you know, had to basically scrap the team and start again. I had to do trials, you know, I had to look at videos of foreign players, and um, I didn't really know the league to be honest. And we had a very, very low budget, um, in the High League, too. And you know, so I remember somebody told me, they said, Look, whatever you do in this league, don't lose games, don't try and force a win, just don't lose games. And we, we never lost a game, and uh, we got promoted. Um, and it was probably one of the greatest achievements based on because I know the, the journey, you know, we'd have to go on 30 hour train journeys, 30 hour um, bus journeys, going the back of vegetable trucks to, to training, you name it. Um, just it's just incredible. Um, just exactly how much um, we had to go through. Um, and, and when you, you look back at it and you think, God. I mean, I was living in a house in um, Kashmir. Bed went on fire. electric blanket went on fire. Oh, and I was in my bed one night. My um, assistant, Jimmy, his toilet blew up. Um, the cistern blew up in a million bits. You got to go to the bathroom one night, and there was no toilet. It was just a hole in the wall. Um, just so many hurdles and disasters. And, you know, when I first went there, there was no no kit, no kit, um, no balls, nothing. And... Um, no stadium there's no dressing rooms, and now we get twenty thousand at games. We've got floodlights, we've got dressing rooms. We're sponsored by Adidas. Um, it's incredible how it's all turned around. Yeah, how did the documentary come about with the BBC? <clears throat> um, I was actually coming back from um, the after winning the I League Two, <clears throat> um, and I got a, a message from Greg Clark. Um, I don't know how he got me. I, in fact, he. His cousin is actually Derek Lilly, who I, right. I played with at Leeds United. And yeah. somehow he got in touch with me and and he said, you know, I'm looking to do something, a Scotsman doing something <clears throat> bizarre. Um, so he came up to the house and he did like a test run. I told him a story about one of the, the things that happened there. And um, they sent it to BBC and he got commissioned. Um, and then he came out and he came out for probably about what? Probably a total about maybe 10 weeks or something, you know, at different times to film it. Um, and, you know, it's it's, it's weird because when you, you first go under under the camera, you're a bit conscious of it, but because it's the microphone's on you 24 seven and you don't see the camera all the time. And, and by this time I'm good friends with Greg. I totally forget that I'm on camera. <laughs> um, and then, you know, I'm blowing up, I'm swearing. And and after a while I'd say to Greg, um, you're not putting that bit in there you're not putting oh no that's going in that's going in oh come on come on and then after I blow up and I never blow up at the team it's all about what happens to my team Mm -hmm. because I'm very protective of my players and it's always about you know the stuff they've got to deal with the stuff I've got to deal with and it's nothing to do with our players and there's one time I blew up the youth coach and I walked away because I had to go to a meeting and I just thought oh no I can't believe I just did that Mm -hmm. you know and then the the worst part was the first documentary. I hadn't I hadn't seen it until the, a couple of days before it went on air, and I'm watching it um, and I'm cringing, thinking, "Oh no, hope this bit's not on it. Oh no, don't oh, no, remember this. Oh no." Um, and it was just, um, oh, it was horrendous. And obviously, your your
0: son Mason's over there with you as well. Like, do you think he's <clears throat> going to progress pretty well? And is what's the plan with
1: Mason? Is it is it the plan always to come back home? Yeah. <clears throat> Um, I think Sanky'd so. like to come back. Or I think he'd like to go to the USA. His fiance is in in Phoenix, so right. um, it's been hard for the last year or so because of the, the COVID thing and him being yeah. playing over here. So I think his ideal thing is to go to the to the MLS or the USL or whatever just to be closer to her. But he's been fantastic. You know, His first year, you, know, you take your son over and you think, is he going to be good enough? And he ends up to go. I'm not just saying because in my son. He's probably one of the best players in the league. First year he got offered, you know, job uh, to go to the ISL, and um, I think if he doesn't go to the USA, I think maybe next year he should possibly go to the to the ISL. I think, but he's he's been fantastic. You know, he, I think he's found it hard at part time level, but now he's full time. He's been full time. his third season full time, and um, he's he's looking great. He's in fantastic shape. Brilliant. Is there any players over there that could be pretty good? No, there's a lot of good players. Um, I've just signed the. Uh, Afghanistan captain, because um, you allowed this last year there were six foreign players. This year it's four, um, but want us to be of Asian descent. So um, we've got Amiri um, captain um, signed a, a player, Luke a striker from uh, Nigeria, and we've got, obviously we've got Mason, and we've got the um, D- 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 Dika who's been the top goal scorer in the league. He's from Cameroon, mm-hmm. so he's um, you know hopefully he'll score some goals for so us, but. You know, last season, we had a player, um, Krizzo, he was six foot seven striker. Um, just, um, you know, but they could. The, the one thing about um, India is it's the easiest place for a player to get a visa. Right. You know, so um, it's it's easier. So, you know, you think of all the players from Africa and all around the world that are maybe not playing for a country, get enough caps to get visas. You know, they'll get a game in India. and I think the level's you know, pretty high. Plus, the Indian players are good. We've got one player, Danish Farouk from uh, Kashmir. You know, I've had him for four years now. Um, He's attracting attention from the ISL and the Indian national team as well. So, I mean, I've just signed an Indian international as well. So, um, no, the level's very, very good here.
0: Brilliant. And what's what's your kind of plans? Are you planning on staying out there long term or would you be
1: interested in coming back, back over at some point? Uh, I'd obviously like to, to come back in you know Scotland or England, but it's very, very difficult being out for so long. Yeah. Um, you know, that would be nice to be closer at home, but it is very tough. Um, you know, last season, season before. Well, not well, the first season in the i league, I was way at home away from home for nine months. Um and I find that quite hard being away from home. Um I enjoyed the, the break during the lockdown and before I came back here. So yeah, ideally I'd like to, to go back to, to the UK or Europe. Um, but it's it's a tall order, you know. There's so many, you know, coaches and managers looking for jobs, and um, but it would be hard to leave here as well because it is a, um, it's um been great, you know. It's it sounds a bit weird. It's, it's probably the, the most ideal and the best job that I could imagine, but yeah. it's just in the wrong place. Mm-hmm, um, you know, it's just a. I've just got an emotional attachment to the club and to yeah. the owner, and the people of Kashmir. Brilliant. Are you alright closing with some quite far questions? Yeah, no problem. Yep, yep. Brilliant.
0: No Out of your whole career, who would you say was the best player you ever played with?
1: <laughs> Brian up Really? Is it hard to a hard to
0: spot yeah. him in Gaza?
1: Well, no, I think I think just the relationship I had with yeah. with, with Loudrop was it I would it, it was always be Stuart McCall would give Loudrop the ball, I would make a run and he'd thread it through a an eye of a needle. Um, and nine times out of ten, he would find me, and they just—it was—it's was a joy to to play with. Um, even just watching him destroy teams, just fantastic. Brilliant. Best player you played against? Um, I think the player I struggled against the most. I mean, i played against Beckham and Gigs and Overmars and all these guys, great great players. But the player that gave me the most problems is a guy that you probably never heard of, Evo Den Beeman. Um, he played at Montrose He played at Dundee He played at Dunfermline And I think he might have played at Raith Rovers And every time I played against him He would destroy me And I had no clue what he was doing I don't think he knew what he was doing um, But he was, he was definitely the toughest opponent Brilliant Favourite away ground you played at in your career? Um, I think Petaudry. Um I know I played there as a, as a kid And a supporter there But when I went back with Rangers Just the atmosphere um, you know, and, and then obviously I'm going back. I'm I'm a, a quite a, a determined character and, and when people turn against me, uh it sort of spurs me on even more. And I think that Python that happened, um, you know, it was great when I played there, but when I went there as a as a an away player, um and you win, it was such so satisfying and just the atmosphere of it and um just just brilliant. Brilliant. Favourite film or TV show? Um I uh, mean, my wife, we we watch a lot of Netflix stuff and 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 that kind of stuff. But um, we actually watched The Fall recently. We really enjoyed that. It was good. Um, but we do we watch a lot of shows and TV. I think she's got me on to Bridgerton or something just now. And yeah. We sort of watch it when I'm away. When I'm away, um, you know, we'll watch things together on the iPad and and stuff like that. We'll sort of watch stuff together. Um, but no, we watch a a lot of TV. Um, you know, mainly series on Netflix. Brilliant. Interesting fact about yourself. Um, a lot of people think that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm quite this tough, hard guy and swear and, and all sorts. But I'm, believe it or not, I'm actually very, very sensitive. Um, like, we like we we lost a, a dog probably about two years ago, Sammy, a cocker spaniel, and I still can't get over him. Um, and obviously my mum passed away recently as well. So those kind of things, yeah. but animals and I just you know love animals. We've got we've got a, a rescue dog when we lived in America called Dexter. Um, he's a poodle. He had a, he had a bad leg, so he had to get amputated. So he's got three legs. We flew him back to Scotland when we moved back, and um, you know we inherited my daughter's um first boy, well not first boy a, a boyfriend in America. He had a cat came to stay with us in America for two weeks, um, and what five years later on the cat's in Scotland with us. Oh, um, so we've got other dogs. Uh, just animals. We just love animals. And but I'm very if I lose a pet, I'm very. It takes me a long, long time to go over it.
0: <laughs> Who would you say was your best friend in football?
1: Um I would think players that I played with, probably Paul Mason. Um, you know, I, I keep in touch. It's very difficult because of where I am in the world and how things are, but Paul Mason, probably the best friend that I was involved with at football, but during coaching, you know, I've had many, many, you know, good friends. Danny Sonner worked with me in America. Um, you know, I think that's a good thing about football. You know, you a lot of good friends, but I think currently, you know, the owner of Real Kashmir, Sandeep chatu is um, not just an employer, but he's he's just a good friend. He's been great with my family and um, you know, it's a as I say, it's not a a working relationship. It's like a friendship relationship. And my only fear with it is that, you know, I think he'd find it hard to get rid of me. I'd find it hard to leave. But at some point, um, you know, it's going to have to come to an end at some point. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's only so much I can do. Only so far I can take the club. And um, and obviously he's an ambitious man. And um, but you know, it's. That'll be a sad day when it comes, but as long as we remain friends after it, that's the most important thing.
0: Definitely. Final question. I can imagine this is hard because you've played under three of the best managers in Scottish football history. Who would you say yeah. was the best manager you played under?
1: Walter Smith, um I think, like I said before, about his man management skills, um, I remember one, the first thing he said to me was, you look after me and I'll look after you. Brilliant. Um, and, and I think it was, as a player, it's the, the best six years. That um, I've played, I've enjoyed, and um, been successful, and um, even even little things. If we go and play Aberdeen um, on the Saturday, on Thursday he'd say, "Look, get yourself up and see your family." So I'd go on a Thursday. If we win, he'd say, "Okay, I'll see you on Tuesday or something." You know, he would always instigate me going to Aberdeen to see my family and or stay longer. And um, just a just a great guy, and and, and it, I think everybody that's played for him would run through a brick wall for the man.
0: David, it's been an absolute pleasure to be on the show. I can't thank you enough for joining me. I've really enjoyed
1: it. No problem. That's Thanks very much. It's been brilliant. Thanks yeah, very bro. much, David. Cheers. No problem, All the boy. best. Boy. Cheers. Things are going to get better real soon. Yeah, I'm going to just do me, you just
0: do you. I swear it's going to get better real soon.
1: Don't let anyone tell you what you should do, I got a clear view, we're gonna make it soon, just keep pushing for...